Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Bava Kama, Daf Mem Aleph. And we're starting at the Mishnah at toward the top, about eight lines down or so on Mem Aleph, Amud Aleph. The Mishnah teaches us an important din that we've learned before about the punishment of kofer, which is a financial punishment that is paid if my gore, if my animal gores your animal. Uh, I'm sorry, if my animal gores a person and kills a person, so then there's a special din of kofer. Yesterday, we spoke about a chakira within the world of kofer. Is kofer a din in you, the nizak? Or is kofer a din in me, the mazik, in that I need a kapara? So there was a machlokis if, if, kufra, if kofer was kapara or if kofer was mamona that we spoke about yesterday. Uh, but really, the fundamental din of kofer is found right here. The Mishnah opens, If my animal gores a person and the person dies, so it depends on what type of animal my animal was, the animal that did the goring. If it was a muad, then mishalim kofer. The din of kofer only applies by an animal that's a muad. However, vitam, if you're dealing with an animal that's docile, so then pater mina kofer. That's din number one. And now, in both cases, whether or not the animal that kills the person is a muad or a tam, in both cases, the animal is chayab misa, the animal will be put to death. Bechein, these halachos also apply beben, bechein, bebas. This applies with a boy and it applies with a girl as well. Rashi. Rashi says eight lines down, Dibrahamat. Mm, no, incorrect. Four lines down. Uh, uh, five lines down. Bechein, beben, bechein, bebas. Ben katan, a young boy. Betinokes kitana, or uh, an infant girl. Chayevalein skila, the kofer kigdolim. That's what it says, that the same halachos that apply by adults apply to young children. That's din number one about uh, my animal killing a person, uh, killing a yid. Nagach evedo ama. What if my animal kills a person who is an evid or an ama? This is not a, an evid ibri, this is an evid kinani. So then this is based on a pasuk in Chumash of no saint shloshim slime. I, the owner of the shore that killed the Evid or the Amma has to pay 30 slime to the family of the person who died. Whether or not the Evid is worth 100. Or if it's a very inexpensive Evid, we don't have a subjective measure. We have an objective number that the Torah laid out for us. And that number ignores the actual street market value of the Evid. We don't care what they cost. The is The Torah says that we have to pay... 30 slime if my animal gores an Evid or an Amma. Now the Gemara has a beautiful question on the Resha of our Mishnah. The Resha says that if you have a Tam or if you have a Muad, they both die when they gore and kill someone. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. If a Tam gets killed for its murder, how does a Tam ever become a Muad? That's what the Gemara wants to know. We're a quarter of the way down at the open of the Gemara on Mem Aleph Amaral. Once the din is that we kill a Tom, even if that Tom, which is docile, if that Tom gores, even though it's a Tom, we still kill it. So then how did we ever get to, get to the place of Muad? Muad hechi mishka The Gemara is going to present a whole host of answers, a couple of which don't work, a couple of which do. And here's the first one. So what does this mean that they were measured by three people? Take a look at Rashi, seven lines down. At the open of the Gemara, 
Rashi says, Shedrat Zacharehen. The animal ran after these three people, Panav, and the people ran away from the animal, the Indu, and they estimated, they assessed Shim Lo Barcho Hayahorgan. So this is a fascinating suggestion that perhaps we can establish Muad not based on what actually happened in that this animal gored three times, but in that had the animal actually gored, it would have killed, but not in fact that it did kill. So this is something that is a, a very odd possibility. Um, and the Gemara doesn't like this at all. And the Gemara rejects this as follows. The Gemara says, I don't understand. When it comes to establishing whether or not an animal is considered muad, your umdana, your assessment does not matter. We need this animal to actually gore three times in order to become a muad. Who cares what you feel about it, what you project? Your projections are irrelevant. The only way we ever establish muad is by three gorings in a row. So therefore, let's move to answer number two. How do we get a tam to become a muad like our Mishnah says? The Gemara says, uh, uh, we don't have a, an author for this answer. It endangered three people. So here, the Rishonim explained that we're dealing with a case like this. The animal gored person number one, but person number one did not die. Very much injured, but did not die. Then a person, the, the animal gores person number two, and also the person did not die. And then on day three, the animal gores person number three. And in that one moment, all three people die. The first two died from their previous injuries, and the third died right away. So what did you have? You had an animal that up until now was considered a tom, but in one moment, because three of three people died due to this animal, he became a muad instantaneously. So this is the possibility the Gemara wants to recommend. Rav Zvid Omar, Kigon Sheharag, Shlosha Behemos. Rav Zvid said, you're right that he might not yet be a muad for a person, but he is a muad for killing Behemos. And maybe we can make an extension that from an animal who we know is muad to kill another set of shvarim, maybe he's also muad la'adam. The Gemara rejects this. Absolutely not. That for sure doesn't work. So then the Gemara moves to its third answer. Uh, and the Gemara says, uh, it's actually its fourth answer. And the Gemara says, Perhaps a better comparison, says the Gemara, is that when a uh, an animal gores, an ove kochavim, three people who are ove kochavim, perhaps they are in the case scenario of moving from Tam to Muat. Says the Gemara, that's not possible. And this is a fascinating line. Nobody on the page speaks about it. I did some research. Don't see anything in the Meforshim openly. I'm sure the art scroll deals with it. I'm sure the Mesifta deals with it. I don't have those books with me. But the Gemara says, the fact that the animal was horeg, shlosha ovde kochavim, who says that that carries over to a yid? Asks the Gemara just about halfway down. The fact that an animal is willing to gore an ovde kochavim, mehecha tasty that that animal will successfully gore a yid. In other words, if an animal is muad to kill goyim, he's lav dafka muad to kill yidin. Why is this? So Rabbi Reznik explained in the shir that yidin have a higher level of siyata dishmaya. There is more hashgacha pratis. There is a different shmira. Uh, we all learn Torah, Baruch Hashem. So Torah is magno matzah. We have extra protections that the average goy, Pasha, doesn't have. Even the mitzvah of tzitzis. The mitzvah of tzitzis, we know, it protects a person from ayin hara. 
Kayim don't have that mitzvah. So there's a lot of reasons to assume this. That's just intriguing that seemingly nobody talks about it. Um, at least not the people that I saw. I looked at the Marsha. I looked in the in the Likut in the back of the Gemara. I didn't see anybody talking about it. Not Rashi here. There's no Musaf Rashi in the Gemara that I have here. I didn't see anything in Tosfos. Nevertheless, the Gemara's question assumes that a Yid has a greater Shmira than a guy. There, therefore, that answer doesn't work either. Perhaps an animal can go from being a Tom to being a Muad by killing three people who are begeder trefa. There is a din that if a person is begeder trefa, we halachically assume that that person will not live out the next 12 months. Let's say Rahman al a person has a diagnosis that, they're, that they won't make it through the next 12 months. Halacha they have a din of a trefa. The din of a trefa would be is that if an animal gored a trefa, we would not uh, kill the animal in that in such a case. So that would be an interesting nafkamina because the person is is alive, but they're basically partially dead in, in halachic terms. So let's say perhaps a person can transfer from tam to muad by killing three trefas. Says the Gemara, no. How can you say that an animal killing a trefa is the same as an animal killing a shalim. It's much easier to kill someone who's on their deathbed. They're not moving. They're they're a stationary target. Mashenkin, if you have someone who's healthy and they're uh, you know they're in the chasing of the bull, they're going to run. They're going to jump. They're going to hide. So you can't compare the goring of an animal toward a trefa to a person who is a shalim. The Gemara therefore recommends another answer. Amara Papa, and this is a very practical answer to Katal ve'arak le'agma. In the first two case scenarios, the animal gored, but ran away down to the water banks and nobody knew exactly where the animal was. So Bezdin wasn't able to mete out the punishment of killing the Tom. And then when it killed the third time, the animal, in fact, became a Muad. This answer, as you can see with the notes here, is quoted in the uh, in the Rambam and it's quoted in, uh, in the Sefer HaMitzvot as well, in the Smog. Um, okay, that's Rav Papa's answer. And the last answer for this piece of the Gemara is Rav Acha Beredi Rav Ika Amar, a little bit more than halfway down. Kegon Shehuzmu Zomime Zomimin. Now, uh, let's just explain this idea. Let's say that uh, my animal kills a person, Rachman Alatzlan. So then there are Adim who give testimony that, in fact, my animal gored. It turned out that those Adim were Adim Zomimin, and therefore their testimony did not work. So my animal supposedly gored. It was based on the testimony of Adim, and those Adim were Huzam. They became Adim Zomimin. The same thing with the second animal. So there were two claims against my animal that my animal had killed. But both of the sets of Adim uh, were established as Adim Zomimin. And then after my animal kills a third time, we find out retroactively that really all of the Adim were valid. What happened? The Adim who gave Edus on the first animal that was on the first person that was killed. And the Adim who gave Edus on the second person that was killed. While at the time we had Adim to say that those Adim were Adim Zomimim, now we bring a set of Adim that were Mazim, the Adim who made those Adim into Zomimim. And that is how you can get a case scenario where a, an animal goes from a tam to muad in one, in one moment. What happened in short is that the adim that made the other adim, adim zomimin, were they, they were in fact huzam. So a little bit of a complicated case. You can see Rashi for more details. And that brings us to the next little piece of the Gemara, which is as follows.
Hanicha, I'm willing to accept your answer of how the animal got from Tam to Muad, Ili Ude Tura Ba'inon Shapir. If what you're saying is that we need to know about the animal, that we need to know that the animal did three things. But, um, if in fact what we need is not just to know that the animal did three things, but we need the bilim to know that the animal was goring, because without the bilim knowing that the animal is goring, they have no way to improve their shmira. They have no way to improve their watching of the animal. So if that's what's happening, then Maymar Omar lay with a lot of the answers that we just heard, the six, seven answers that we just saw, in numerous cases, the Bailam can say, Lo hava yadana. I didn't know that my, uh, I'll just use an example. I didn't know that my animal gored three trefas. He went over to a place where, an, uh, you know, a facility of those who are terminally ill and he gored three people. I had no idea. So if I don't know between the, uh, between the time that he gores two and three, in other words, before the animal becomes a muad, if I as the bilam don't know that, you cannot hold me accountable. So again, if what you're telling me is that I don't need the bilam to establish muad, I just need three episodes of the cow goring, no problem. But if in fact we need the bilam to be involved, then that's a problem because mehechatei see that they knew. So says the Gemara, kigon da amri kol emas dikotil tore gabe hava says the Gemara and Ukinto, we're going to couple with one of the answers from above that, yes, the Bailam did in fact know about it. Ravina Amar, Ravina gives another answer, Labdafka, that the Bailam were aware of this, but rather, the Makirin es Bal Hashor, ve'en Makirin es Hashor. People knew who the owner of the shore was, but they didn't know it was Betsy. They didn't know which shore it was. So they would come over to me and say, Phil, I know your animals are branded. It says Karish, branded on the back of the animal. So I know it was one of your animals. I don't know which of your animals. Says the Gemara, my If I don't know which animal, uh, which particular animal of mine was doing the goring, I have no way to improve my shmirah. So that's not fair either. So says the Gemara, mishum de amre lay, because people who saw his his anonymous animal again, they didn't know what the name of the animal was, but the people who saw this could say, Torah islach You have among your flock. You have an animal that's being a nagcha, that's being a gorer, that's becoming muad. You need to take more shmirah. You need to go in and you need to be a little bit more careful. So the Gemara establishes one of six or seven answers to uh, show us how it's possible that an animal can move from a tam to a muad without the tam getting killed. Because as the Mishnah taught us, when an animal does kill a person, bein tam, bein muad, the halacha is that the animal is chayat misa. So we came up with these answers and then the Gemara says that Either it must be that he knew about it the whole time or uh, where somebody warned him generally about his animals, that his animals were acting wildly. That brings us to the two dots and a very exegetical sugya where we're going to be uh, analyzing psukim uh, and trying to figure out which words in the pasuk mean which thing. The Gemara says two-thirds, three-fourths of the way down on Mem Aleph Amud Aleph at the two dots, Tanur Abonim, we have a brysa. Because we know, know the Pasuk says hashor, that the, the shore gets killed for killing a person. <laughs> Why then does the Pasuk also say that the animal is in Avelam? You can't eat an animal that's been stoned to death. The only animals that we're allowed to eat are animals that have been shechted properly. Rov Kanaveshed with a sharp enough knife, with no, uh, with no dents in the knife. It's got to be perfect. Pashat that the animals in Avela. Once we're stoning the animal, everybody knows that the animals in Avela. So if that's true, uh, why would the Pasuk say that? We already know that. 
So why does it say that it's an Avela? Why does the Pasuk go out of its way to say that you can't eat it? I, it would have been enough for me just to see the words, you can't go hunting and eat an animal. That's not, it's a completely usher. That animal is an Avela. It's an Isra to rice to eat it. It says the Gemara, why does the Pasuk say, if it already says, it says the Gemara, Magid l'cha akasu, the Torah is teaching us, she'im shachato la'achar sh'nig mardino, aser be'achila. That even if, after the gemar din, let's be clear, after the gemar din that an animal is chayv misa, if you take a shechita knife and you do a perfect shechita on this animal, and you do a perfect cut, it's a 100% perfect shechita, that animal is still aser to eat. That's the Chiddush of the Gemara. Why does it say the extra Pasuk, if we know that the animals are ready in Nevela, to teach us that between the Gemar Din and the time the animal was supposed to be killed, let's say they, and the Gemar Din was on January 1st, it gored on December 20, 20, 21st. On January 1st, it was there was a Gemar Din, the animal needed to be killed. On January 10th was supposed to be the day the animal was killed. And on January 5th, I do a perfect Shechit on that animal. You're not allowed to eat that animal. We're going to question this in a moment. Says the Gemara, I only know about a restriction in regards to Achila. Oh, here we're seeing another level. How do we know that when it comes to this animal that has a Gemar Din of Skila, namely an animal, a shore that killed a person that has a Gemar Din of Skila, how do I know that not only am I not allowed to eat that animal even with a perfect Shrita, but that also there's an Isr Hana? So this, the Gemara says, Tamanomar Ubal Hashor Noki. The owner of the shore is Naki. He is clean. That's the end of the b'risa. Gemara asks a couple of analytical questions. My mashma, how do we know what Bal Hashor Naki means? I might have thought that Bal Hashor Naki means that his, he doesn't have to pay anything. I, that might have been a Balabatish way to understand the Pasuk. It also would have been wrong. So the Gemara says, my mashma, and 15 lines or so from the bottom, the Gemara says, Shimon ben Zoma Omer, Ka'adam Shomer lechavero. It's like a man says to his friend, It's kind of like a colloquialism of the day that a person says, I am completely cleaned out. I have nothing left. So in the same way that in that colloquialism, when it says Naki, it means that a person has nothing left. So to over here, it means that a person can access nothing. That's why when the Pasuk says that he's clean, it means he's completely cleaned out. He can't even have Hana from the shore. So that's what the Gemara says is the is the is the drasha of the pasuk of Ubala Shor Naki is to teach us that there's an Isr Hana on an animal that has had a Gemar Din of Misa for killing a person. Says the Gemara, Bisaro. We looked at the pasuk of Lo Yecheles Bisaro, and what did we say about that drasha just a moment ago? We said we said that that Pasuk taught us that on January 5th, if I shechted between the Gemar Din and the scheduled killing of the animal, the Skila, that if I shechted it, it's Asr to eat. Says the Gemara, maybe not. Ema, perhaps we could say another possibility. Nine lines from the bottom of the page. Maybe we should say, That's not what the Pasuk means when it says, Perhaps it's teaching us something else, that when an animal has been stoned, even afterwards, there is still an Isr Hana. Where would we have seen precedence for this? We would have seen precedence for this, Kid Rebbe Abohu. Lo 
Echad Isra Achiba, Echad Isra Hanavim Ashma. So maybe Rabbi Abahu's approach is, is correct. The Lodi Achelas Bissaro teaches us in Isra Achiba and teaches us in Isra Hanor. But not that if you do Shechita between the Gemar Din and the scheduled date of Skila, that the animal would be Aser. Um, and let's just finish up the drush of Rabbi Abahu. Rabbi Abahu quoted Rabbi Lazar that these things are always going to be considered with the language of Lo Yechel. There's always an Isra Hanor and Isra Achila. Except for the fact where the Torah teaches us that there are certain scenarios where we can give an avela to a ger, the ger benestino lobe kochavim benechira, that we can sell it to those people. That's allowed, but in general, we would have otherwise assumed not. So that's what the Gemara says is a real possibility. Maybe we learned the uh, the drasha the wrong way. To this, the Gemara responds five lines from the bottom. Amre, we would answer, Hani mili, heicha, denafik le isra achila ve isra no I agree with Rabbi Abahu. I agree that there might have been another way to learn our Pasuk of Sakoyi Sakel, followed by But that's only if the Isra Achil and Isra Hana were learned out by the same thing. But that wasn't true by our case. Because if you look back up at the Bryce at the two dots, the Gemara quotes it. Here, the Isra did not come from the Pasuk of Lo Yechel. We cannot trigger the din of Rabbi Abahu. And that's why we still need to assume that the Isser uh, of Achila applies if you shech the animal between the Gemar Din on January 1st and the, the scheduled date of Skila on January 10th, if you shech it on the 5th. So therefore, it's still going to be Aser Be'achila. However, in Isal Kadaita, if you want to say it in Isser then the Pasuk should have said, because since we already learned the Isra from Sakol Yisakel, the Pasuk of Lo Yechel at this point can't mean about Achila. But if it's only about Hana, then just write what you mean, which is Lo Yehana. Inami, you should write Lo Yechel, but then the words Es Lamali, why are those words there? If you just wanted to add in Hana, Lo Yechel would have been fine. Es Bissaro Lamali, that's why the Gemara says on the bottom of Mem Aleph, Amar Aleph, on the very bottom line, Ya'afal Gav, Da'avdekein, Shor Deshechita, even though you treated this animal, an animal that had a Gemar Din of Misa for killing a person, even though otherwise the animal uh, had a perfect Shechita, but therefore the Gemara says, Asr, it has to be that way. We could have done Rabbi Abo if we hadn't learned out the Isra Achila from Sakol Yisakel, but because we learned out the Isra Achila from Sakol Yisakel, so therefore we are not able to make such a drasha, and therefore our din remains. That if a person takes an animal who had a Gemar din of Misa on January 1st and shechted it perfectly on January 5th, the animal is an Isra de Oraisa to eat 100%. This is great Gemara trivia. What is a case scenario where an animal has a perfect shechita and it's completely usher to eat? The answer is when it has a Gemara din for having killed a person. Asks the Gemara on the bottom line of Mem Aleph Amid Aleph, Maskif Lamar Zutra. Ema, perhaps we should say, Hani Mili, that this was only true as we turn to the top of Mem Aleph Amid Beis. And we'll be going to the fourth line of uh, Mem Beis Amid Aleph. That's only true. This is fascinating. And we've seen this before in Shas. Where did we see this before? Don't know. What if I take a rock, a flint stone, as it were, and I sharpened it to the point that I can do shechita? So the Gemara says, maybe we should say that the only time that an animal that had shechita after the Gemar Din and the animal's treif is if the shechita was done by a stone. 
So take a look at a fascinating Rashi. Why is it that if you use a rock, we would have assumed that the animal is not kosher? Because Rashi says, that because the blade that you're using is a blade that's made out of stone, so then maybe it's begeder, it's under the umbrella of skila. And therefore, sakol yisakel, it's usher to eat. However, um, that was da'avdeke in skila. However, says the Gemara on the second line, but if I would have used a blade, a proper shechita knife like the ones that we use, uh, the shechita knives that we use for chickens are smaller than a meat cleaver. They're like, probably, a, they're a little bit shorter. They're more... Uh, flatter but rectangular. And they're not meat cleavers that are much larger rectangles. The shechita ones are probably about this big for chickens and, and they're cleavers for, uh, or close to cleavers for cows. So says the Gemara, maybe I could make a deal that if you would have used the stone as your blade, then yeah, that's when it would have been usher after the Gemara din. Masha Ainkain, had there been a Gemara din, but you cut with a knife, maybe the animal would have been kosher. Says the Gemara, no. Amri, where do you get that from? That, that's not a thing. The distinction between blade materials is irrelevant. Where does the Torah say how you have to shecht with which material? We don't care how you shecht it. The Shailan Lemaisa comes up in regards to brismila. You can use any material that cuts, but the post can discuss about using a laser. Um, can you use a laser for brismila? So most post are not a fan of that uh, because that's not cutting. That's not a device that's cutting. You're cutting with heat. You're cutting with a concentration of heat. So therefore, that may not work. It says the Gemara, after all, the Hatsnan, how do we know that the material that's used as a blade for Shrita doesn't matter? Because there's a Mishnah in Masech Eschulim that says, Ashochet b'magal yad, with a, a thickle, like a hand-sized thickle, b'tzur, with a rak uvekana, or with a reed, the distinction you're trying to make, that if you were to cut with stone, it would be usher to eat the food, but if you were to cut with a blade, it would be mother to eat the food. That's not a real thing. It says the Gemara, but wait one second. In a case like Rabbi Abahu, like Rabbi Abahu, who doesn't apply to our, our Mishnah, but in a case where Rabbi Abahu would apply, where both the Isra Achil and Isra Hanar are learned out from the same thing, then why does the Pasuk say, Bal Hashor Naki Lamali? Why does it say Bal Hashor Naki? The Gemara says, Lanas Oro. That's true for Hanas Oro. That is only true because to, to teach us about the skin of the animal. The Salkadaita Chamina, I might have thought, maybe only the flesh is Asr Behana. Aval Oro Nishtere Behana. But perhaps the skin of the animal is mutter to, mutter to benefit from. Kamash Malan, Bal Hashor Naki, that's what the Pasuk means, to teach us that you're not allowed to even benefit from the skin of the animal. Asks the Gemara, other people learn for another purpose. We saw one drush on the bottom of the previous page, which we already saw to teach us that there's no hana. And we're going to see more of this later, says the Gemara. So according to them, according to the Shittas who used Bal Hashor Naki to learn about the fact that the or is uh, to learn something other than the ore. They use the drasha for other things. Then how then do they know that the ore of the animal is going to be usher? So to this, the Gemara asks, says the Gemara, es, the word es and es besaro refers to that which is secondary to the basar. What is considered tafel to the basar? Says the Gemara, oro. 
And Baha'i Tana as Lotarish, the other Tana who holds that we learn that the skin is usher to benefit from, from this animal that has a gmar din, that he learns it from Baal Hashor Naki, what does he do with the word S? So famously, we've seen this gemara a couple times in Shas, S lo darish. Kiditanya, we have a brisa. Shimon ha'amsuni, ve'amrim la nechemya ha'amsuni, we're not sure what his first name was, ha'yadorish kol S in Shabbat Torah. He took on a pet project. He was going to go through every S in Chumash, and he was going to figure out what a Kaddish Baruch Hu intended with the word S. Even though when we translate a, a Chumash, we never translate the word S in a proper way. It's kind of a, an, uh, it's just a, a word that makes a sentence smooth, but we don't really have a translation different than the English language. It says the Gemara, he made a drush on all the S in Sheba Torah. However, Kevan Shehigia, and we're halfway down on Mem Aleph on the base. Kevan Shehigia, Le'es Hashem Elokecha Tira, Piresh. When he got to the Pasuk of Hashem he stopped darshaning Esed. Because what is Tafel to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? If we have an obligation to fear Hashem, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is, is Nimtza Khan, He's with us always. What is the closest thing to that? There is no close thing to that. There's nothing that relates to the Yira of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Bichlal. We, we can barely understand it intellectually, <laughs> certainly to apply it to other things. I could understand fear of a parent. I could understand fear of a melech. I could understand fear of authority. But to understand fear of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, nothing is even a close second by, by any measure. So therefore, Shimon, or Nachem Yoham Sunni, stopped his drasha. He stopped darshaning asses. So his students said back to him, lo talmida, Rebbe, kol you got to the Pasuk of Hashem Elokecha Tira. You've been working through this for years, however long it took him. What are you going to do with all of your drushas? If what you're saying is that when the Pasuk says, Es Hashem Elokecha Tira, that you don't know how to darshan that S, then perhaps all of the S in that you darshan were all incorrect. So he gave a beautiful idea. Just like I got reward for the darshaning, for the hard work of trying to figure out and to infer what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from me with the word S, so too, kach kibalti schar al haprisha. Such a beautiful idea. We don't, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not mekapeach schar kolberia. We learned this a couple of blad ago. This person worked very hard in Talmud Torah. So he worked very hard. Ah, he found out his pathway was wrong. Okay. So he gets a schar for the prisha too, for stopping to go the path that he's on. So we get stuck in our own ways. It's easy to follow a pattern, but it's love dafka that it's good. However, as we famously know, here, Rabbi Akiva took this a little bit uh, to the next level. He said, I know exactly what to tell you in regards to the S of Es Hashem And that is that we should have Yira for Talmidei Chachamim in a similar way. Of course, the entities are not the same, obviously. Kodesh Baruch Hu has no... Uh, but uh, the, the next thing in line, while granted a very, very far uh, distant second, is Talmidei Chachamim. And we should make sure that we treat them with a similar kavod. So that's what the Gemara says, and that brings us to the two dots, two-thirds of the way down. Let us continue. Tanu Rabbanon, Ubala Shor Naki. And we're now, this is what the Gemara meant earlier when we see authors of Bala Shor Naki, other Tanaim, who do different things with the phrase of Bala Shor Naki. So then let's see what this Brisa says in regards to Bala Shor Naki. The Brisa says, Bala Shor Naki, Omer Naki, Mechatsi Kofer. Is that if we're dealing with a case of Tam, a tam does not pay chati kofir. You'll recall from the Mishnah that we started with tonight on Mem Aleph that if a, a muad does the damage, then he pays kofir. 
if a tom does the damage and kills a person, there's no chazi kofar, there's no kofar. This brisa is reflecting the same idea, that there's no chazi kofar by a tom. Omar lo Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva pushes back and says, hey, wait. A person who is who is animal is a tom who kills a person. What's the punishment when your animal kills the tom? It's always migufo. But if that's true and the animal were to be killed, there's nothing to pay. What, what do you mean, Chatzikofer? There's no animal anymore. Why? Because the animal was killed. And a, a little tongue in cheek, the Gemara says, Go to Bezdin and they'll pay you. Namely, Bezdin took your animal and killed it because your animal killed a person. You, of course, there's no chazi kofer. Pasha that there's no chazi kofer. Rabbi Akiva says to Rabbi Eliezer, and then with a little bit uh, of a bite, Amar lo Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says back to Rabbi Akiva, Is that what you think of me, Rabbi Akiva? Says Rabbi Eliezer. You think that shadini misa? I'm talking about a case where the animal shayv misa. Of course, I know that. What? It's very hard to understand this dialogue because. Taka, Rabbi Eliezer is a big Talmud Chacham. So what was Rabbi Akiva thinking that Rabbi Eliezer even meant? Of course we weren't dealing with a case where the animal had a denchi of Misa. And then Rabbi Eliezer explains himself more and he says, We're only talking about a case, the case where he says that the uh, owner of the tam animal is not chayev, chatzik kofer, is dealing with a case where we saw that the animal killed, but there was only one aid, or it was alpi bailim, and if the bailim, if the bailim of the animal that was killed is the witness to the murder, that's considered a bad aid. He's not allowed to testify. So in those cases, that's when we say, that's when Rabbi Eliezer was teaching his din about chatzik nezik, about not paying chatzik kofer, but not what Rabbi Akiva meant. Rabbi Akiva misunderstood Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer said, no chatzik kofer by Atam. Rabbi Akiva says, of course not. The animal is going to get killed. Rabbi Eliezer says, of course, I wasn't talking about that case. Obviously not. I was talking about a case where there was only one aid and the animal doesn't have a din of Misa. So that was his first retort. Alpi Bailim, Moda Biknasu. In regards to Alpi Bailim, when, when there's uh, the aidus of the Bailim himself, because uh, if I'm the Baal, if I'm the, the Baal of the Mazik, I can be Moda Biknas. If I see my animal, I never have to pay anything because Moda Biknas is Pater, and I can say, I can always get myself out of it. Because Savar, it must be that Kufra Kapara that I'm measuring against myself. If my animal killed and I'm Moda Biknas, it must be that Moda Biknas is Kapara. And that's why I'd be Pater if I was Moda. So therefore, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva are two ships passing in the night. They're not even talking about the same case. And fascinatingly, there's almost an identical brisa of the dialogue where Rabbi Akiva says, I'm actually talking about a different case than what we saw in the previous brisa. And let's see which answer holds water. We're six, seven lines from the bottom, the first of the very long lines of Mem Aleph and Beis. Tanya Yidach, we have another brisa. Amar lo Rabbi Eliezer, Akiva, this is what you think of me? You thought I was talking about a case where an animal had a din misa? Shadini misa? Absolutely not. I was talking about a case where a person did kill a person, but his intention, where an animal killed a person, but the animal's intention was really to kill another animal. Or, or 
if the animal the shore was intending to kill a mitzri, who's an obeyed kochabim, as opposed to a yid, or linefalim, for a child who is slated, uh, is just not going to live, a child that won't live beyond 30 days, but beharag ben kayama, and accidentally killed someone. So there's two different possibilities as to what Rabbi Eliezer retorted to Rabbi Akiva, no matter what in both. Bryce says it's two ships passing in the night, where Rabbi Akiva thought Rabbi Eliezer was talking about X, and Rabbi Eliezer was not talking about X. So now we have two answers. Our first Bryce has said we were talking about a case where my shore killed Rahman al-Latan, a person. Um, and Rabbi Eliezer said it was a case where there was only one aid. And the second answer that Rabbi Eliezer said is that my animal did kill a person, uh, even with Aden, but the animal's intentions were different. So asks the Gemara, Hi Omar Leiberesha, which answer did Rabbi Eliezer retort back to Rabbi Akiva first? Was it Brysa number one, which is that the witness was only a one-person witness, so not enough to indict? Or was it answer number two, where there were plenty of witnesses, but everyone witnessed that the animal was not trying to kill a person, but trying to kill an animal? He says that the second Brysa was first, the Brysa that indicates that my shore was not intending to kill a person, but only to kill a shore. However, Rav Tivyumi Mishmed the Rav Omar, Hemis Asher Omar Leberisha, the first Brysa, where the animal killed with only one witness present, he says that one went first. Uh, and that now let's go through both of them. We're at the last second of the last lines here on Mem Aleph Amid Beis. Rav Kahana Mishmed the Rav Omar Miskavin Omar Leberisha, and he said that really the uh, the Bryce of Kavana, the second Bryce, was Rabbi Eliezer's first answer. And Mashal, and the Gemara gives a Mashal as to how we deal with the fact that there was a later Bryce. Really, the second Bryce that was presented was actually presented first, followed by the second. Mashal at Sayyid Shashola Dagaminaya. Let's talk about someone who's a fisherman. Says the Gemara, turning to the top of Membez Amaralev. Mishkach Ravravei Shakil. If you take, find a huge fish, you most definitely will take it. Zutri, and then if afterwards you're like, I had a great catch, but I still want to get a few more pounds of fish. So then Shakil, then uh, of course I'll take the second. I'll take even the smaller ones. What this means is that Rabbi Eliezer had two answers. He had the second brysa and he had the first brysa. He had the retort back to Rabbi Akiva that really fundamentally the kavana of my animal was to kill another animal and not a person. And then he also has the first brysa, which is also valid, which is that, yes, my animal killed, but there was only one witness. However, on the top of Membez Medalaf, on the top line, Rav Tivyumi Mishmei Rava Amar, no. Really, the first brysa was the one that was there, but the second brysa seemingly wasn't at all. He gives a similar mashal. Mashal at Sayyid, Shashola Dagimin We have a person who's standing on the coast and he's fishing. He has a big fish net. Mishka Zutri Shakil. He's catching, you know, four inch little tiny carp and bass, little uh, sunfish, nothings. He's catching a bunch of small little nothings. But then Mishka Ravrivi, but then he pulls in a, you know, a 25 pound salmon, a whole, whole new ballgame. So then what does he do with the salmon? He keeps the salmon and he throws back all the little pitzel fish. Shadi Zutre, he takes the small ones. Vishakil Rabrave, he gets rid of the small ones and he keeps the big one. Namely, this is of course a mushal, that according to Rav Tivyumi Mishmei de Rava, only the first brysa was actually valid. Uh, and that is how they, the two of them break down these two answers of Rabbi Eliezer. We're going to stop right here. My schedule should be that I should be at uh, the base medrash on time tomorrow night. Um, I will know uh, with. I will let you know if anything changes. If you hear nothing from me, that means we're learning in person tomorrow night. 
in the main base measures for Mishmar Laratzenu. And we'll stop right here. Wishing you all a beautiful night.